What would be some good fatherly advice that you might hear from a good father? What, what, what would be some good fatherly advice to hand down to uh, your child? Uh, would it be to, to walk tall, uh, be proud, uh, know who you are? Uh, when you shake hands, make sure it's a good, strong handshake. Uh, look at look at the person in the eyes when you say hello. There's lot, lots of things. They're just a couple that I came up with. Um, one, one when I googled it, I, one advice that I saw was uh, to live your life as though this is the youngest you'll ever be. Uh, some logic to that, isn't it? I quite like that. Uh, what about this? To live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. What about that for some advice from a, from a good father? To live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. Live as temporary residents with a good dose of reality. That's, that's pretty wise, isn't it? It sounds, it sounds sound. Well, that's the key verse, I think, uh, as it appears to me, in verse 17. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. And that's what we're going to, um, that's the key verse. We're going to shape our talk um, coming out of the scriptures from that with four points. We're going to cover uh, that you are strangers here. So live as someone saved from the fire. Uh, Love like you're not scared anymore. And start living. There are four points. Let me um, let me pray. Father, as we investigate what your word says, help me to be clear as I speak. Lord, give us ears that are attentive, um, hearts that are uh, changeable by your word, and Lord, help us to have brains that are that are filled with understanding and truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you are strangers here. That's the first. Uh, point that Peter wants us to, to adopt. We're strangers here because your hope is in Jesus. So when we say we're strangers here, you're strangers in this world. And you're strangers because your hope is in Jesus. Verse 13 says, therefore with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Do you notice that the eyes and the mind are set on Jesus Christ in that verse? Our eyes and our mind are set on Jesus Christ. Uh, they're not, our minds are not dull and shut down. Our minds are turned on and switched on. Never should a Christian be accused of being a mindless drone, that they're just doing what they're told to do. The scriptures urge us to grow in our knowledge and wisdom and understanding of, of the scriptures. This is something that uh, God blesses us as we pursue, as we dive into the scriptures, God blesses us with understanding when we seek it. Uh, but our hope is not just in knowing God, but actually anticipating a future where Jesus will return. Therefore, with, with minds that are alert, um, there's a, a curious thing happening behind the translation there. When it, when it says in our English translation, with minds that are alert, in the original language, it's something like, well, it literally says with your, um, with your uh, girding your loins, which I think in modern language it might be rolling up your sleeves. It's like get, get, uh, get ready for work. Get ready to work your mind. Um, get ready for action. Uh, to, 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 to put your mind into gear. With minds that are alert and fully sober. Now, of course, you can take that literally, and that's a wise thing to do. Don't get drunk with wine. 
Um, and Peter may be thinking about that because later on in chapter 4 he talks about those who, who get drunk with wine, uh, with, uh, with alcohol. But I, it's certainly, I think, is bigger than that. I think that this is about having our minds self, ready for self-control. We're, we are people who are making decisions in life. But the decisions we make are based on looking to Jesus and being conscious that he will return one day. We are strangers here because our hope is in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. His kingdom come. His will be done. That's the Lord's prayer, isn't it? And so uh, we're not blindly following Christianity. We investigate. Uh, It's important uh, that we be a church that opens the doors and has people investigate Christianity. Uh, we don't just, I don't want you to just come to church and do church for an hour on Sunday. I want you to be part of a community that, are, that is invested in growing in maturity and understanding your faith well enough that you can explain it to somebody else with confidence and, and, a, and a heart that, that knows that it's true. Uh, so we need to turn our brain on. And secondly, we have to decide... Are we conforming to the world or are we conforming to Christ? Are we conforming to the world or are we conforming to Christ? Look at verse 14. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Do you see there's two, uh, two ways we can be conforming, either to the ways of this world or to our saviour. And there's no room for both. We can't conform to the world and to Christ. They, they're incompatible. Uh, you, the, the word there is to be holy because I am holy. This is a word that means to be set apart from this world, to be distinct. Uh, that when, when people encounter you as you're growing up in maturity in Christ, they're seeing someone who is growing in more and more holiness because we understand uh, the mind of God, we understand who he is, we understand his character, and we're drawn to him and drawn away from the way that this world thinks. Now, we're going to dive into that a little bit more when I get down to point three. Uh, but there's, there's our first point. You, we're strangers here. Why? Because our hope is in Jesus and we are conforming to Jesus. Our hope is not in this world and we don't wish to conform to the way that this world thinks. There's, a, there's the first point. Simple. And so secondly... Peter says, live as someone who's been saved from the fire. Live as though you've been saved from the fire. Yeah, well, I've been wa- I watched, I don't know why they came up, but I watched um, some YouTube clips on, um, da- what are they called? Dad saves. Dad saves. Lots of little tiny clips of how little kids were just about to, their life was about to be over, but the dad just grabbed them and they were saved. You know? And some of them were crazy. We're talking like, like trucks going down a street and the kid... When the dad saved them, they were like a hair away from the truck. These were scary videos. Oh, this is the sort of thing we have in mind when we put our trust in our Heavenly Father, that he is someone who has tr- saved us from the destruction of hell. Hell is real and we need to be conscious of hell and that we are not people who are exempt from going to hell because we're good. We are saved from hell by the redeeming work of Jesus and, and the love of the Father. So let me, let me flesh that out. Live as someone saved from the fire. Verse 17. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here 
in reverent fear. So again, this is the verse I think that shines or draws out a lot of things from this passage. And it's because we know our Father, our, we have sober minds, our minds are alert and we're fully sober, we understand who God is, and we understand, we're looking forward to the hope found in Jesus. And so since we call on a Father who judges each person's work impartially, our Father is judge of all and he does not show favouritism. Our, our Father... Our Heavenly Father is judge. And with our, so, with, with our sober minds, we need to be conscious of what we've been saved from. Uh, he is impartial, and the Bible says quite clearly that all have sinned. There's, there's no way around that fact. There, we, the Bible says quite plainly that we're all sinners. Uh, there is no one righteous, not even one. That's Paul in the New Testament quoting from the Old Testament. The whole Bible says you, and by when I say you, I'm not talking about the person sitting next to you. I'm talking about you, that you're a sinner, that you are unrighteous by, by nature. Uh, there is no one righteous, not, not even one. Uh, what does is, what is Romans 3.23 remind us? That all have fallen short of the glory. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's a black and white statement, and that is something we need to adopt and adapt to. That's the, that's the conscious reality. With our minds to alert, we need to be understanding that God is the judge. Now, how? Here's, have you noticed this little conflict here? In verse 16, we're told to be holy because God is holy, but then we're reminded that we're all going to be judged by this Father. So how can we be holy when we can't be holy? Well, the answer is redemption. It's that God will save us from ourselves and uh and he goes on in verse 18 to tell us that redemption was not cheap redemption did not come cheaply verse 18 for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors but by the precious blood of christ a lamb without blemish or defect you know if God could have chosen a cheaper way of redeeming us, don't you think he would have done it? If you go to the shop and you want to buy something, uh, a printer, let's buy a printer. Okay, We're going to go to the shop, we're going to buy a printer. And uh, the man in the shop says, well, this, this printer is worth $1,000. Um, uh, but I've got the same model over here for $800. You say, what's the difference? He says, nothing. You know, it just so happens to be there's, a, there's two, two equally good printers. One's worth $1,000, one's worth $800. Which one are you going to buy? The $800 one, aren't you? If, if God could have redeemed us with anything cheaper than the precious blood of Christ, then he certainly would have done it. But the cross of Christ illustrates to us how serious it is for God to deal with our sin. It took the precious blood of Christ to redeem us and the the cross of christ shows us the passion and the length the the depth of the father's love that he would go to to save us and so we have a we we have a picture being built now in our minds of our the reality of hell that that god is an impartial judge and we're all guilty but his redemption through the precious blood of Jesus is sufficient. It's exactly the right amount of price that needs to be paid in order to save us. And so that image of the cross of Christ says that sin is serious, 
but God has dealt with it at the cross. What a great God, a, a, a compassionate and loving Father that we call on. This is why we call on our Father and call him Father. The cross shows us a seriousness of sin and the passion of God to save us. And this is God's only plan. Look at verse 20. Jesus was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. It seems that God's plan was always revolving around Jesus Christ from before the creation of the world. It was always the plan to reveal Jesus to be the king of everyone. And, uh, and through the history of, of this world, he was revealed as a carpenter's son, uh, um, humbling himself to live amongst us uh, in our flesh and blood and to go to, to go to the cross for us, to redeem us. But this is God's only plan and this is our only hope. Jesus is God's only plan and Jesus is our only hope. And do you notice what, what it says there at the, at the bottom, verse 21, through him, through Jesus, you believe in God. So actually this resurrection of Jesus is what fuels our hope, our belief in God. It's a real historic event, a real man in history who really died and really rose to life again, who fuels our knowledge, our love, our devotion to God the Father. And it's through this act of death and resurrection that we put our hope in. God raised Jesus from the dead and glorified him, and so our hope and faith is in the same process, that we will be raised and we will be glorified. And so we have our positive... We have This is the stick and the carrot, isn't it? The carrot is future glory. The stick is you've been saved from hell. You've been saved from hell, but for a future glory. What a wonderful beginning to this passage. We're, we're strange. We've been reminded so far that we're strangers in this world because our hope is in Jesus. We need to live as people who have been plucked from the fires of hell and, and conscious and aware that this is the world that we live in that is heading to destruction. But this then gets us to the, the, the what, is it, what do we do now? And, and Cameron, Cameron set us up uh, so neatly at the beginning to ask the question, what's the, what's the link between love and fear? Well, actually, we are to love now like, like we're not afraid. Uh, let me, let me, we need to flesh that out so you can understand this. Uh, verse 22, let me read verse 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. It's interesting that the flow is obedience to the truth produces love and a flow of love. It's not that grow in love and this will get you closer to God. No, it's actually the knowledge of God, the understanding, a switched-on sober mind that's alert and ready for action that produces love. It seems so anti this world. You know, this world teaches us that love just flows naturally from within. The Bible says no, the, that, that, you, that we get on, on board with the gospel, obedience to the truth, and this actually reshapes the way that we love and so that we can learn to love even as Jesus has loved, a love that this world just does not understand, that you, you, can, you can sacrifice yourself for a buddy, you know, for a good person, someone might even die. But for, for a sinner, for, for an enemy, 
Would you lay down your life for someone who hates you? That's the kind of love that God has demonstrated for us at the cross, and this is what fuels our love for one another. So go back to the text. In verse 22, he says, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, what truth have we obeyed? It's the truth of the gospel that he's just fleshed out in the, in the paragraph just be, before, that Jesus, who God chose from the, before the beginning of time, is the, is the one whose blood was shed so that we could be redeemed. That's the gospel. Jesus paid the price so that we can have the reward. It's unfair to God, but it's a beautiful gift for us. This is grace. You know, many people have understood grace as God's riches at Christ's expense. This is, that's a very good acronym. Now that we've obeyed the truth, we've understood the gospel, we've understood the gospel, this then teaches us how to love. This teaches us how to love. The truth is, is, is the gospel. Friends, if, if you understand the gospel, then the starting point is that you understand that you are a sinner. And, and, you, and you need to understand that I'm not better than you. And, and you're not better than you. you know, we're actually on evil, equal terms here. There's no one in the church here today who has, who has the privilege of God's friendship because of their own merit. There's no one here today who has the benefit of God's friendship because of your own merit. We are all saved through the blood of Jesus. We've all come to this relationship with God starting as sinners. I acknowledge to you that I'm a wretched sinner saved by grace. Uh, and I don't want to be a hypocrite, an actor. I don't want to put on a false front. I want us to all to shed off the outer layer that says I'm doing okay and, and be honest with one another. We're all here together. Um, church, someone has described church once not as a, um, you know, a, a place where we get... Well, someone has explained church as a, as a hospital, a rehab unit, where all the, all the, the sick and, and, uh, and sinful people come, having been healed by the, by the great shepherd, and now we're just in rehab, learning how to love like, like God wants us to love. Uh, so the truth of the gospel, obeying the, the, obeying the gospel means we need to be honest with one another and acknowledge that we all call on a father who, um, who is impartial uh, but who has redeemed us by the precious blood of Christ, and that is the only plan, and we all together are hoping for that future. And so then what are we going to do? We're going we're gonna to clear the decks of rubbish. Just skip forward to chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1 says, Therefore, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Just notice that, that list there. Read yourself of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. The list could go on. Peter's just given us a little sample of the sort of things that we do as creatures of this world who are still, who are still being conformed to the ways of this world. We actually live in fear of one another. And so we envy one another. And we live hypocritical lives. We put on a, fa- a fake front. We pretend to be things that we're not. We slander other people because we're scared. And we, uh, we, we, we have malice and we lie. 
We're full of deceit as creatures of this world because we live in fear of one another, trying to strive and be better or, or, or and so-and-so. I, I, I think you might have got the point that this is what fuels, conforming to this world fuels that kind of attitude because we react to our fear. But in obedience to the truth, as Peter says, in understanding the gospel, the great love that our Father has for us to send Jesus into life, we are living as people who have been saved from the fire. We now have this reverent fear that's vertical, which smashes the horizontal fear. So let me say that again. There's a, we, we embrace this, this reverent and sober-minded vertical fear Conscious that hell is real and we're only saved by the blood of Jesus. And that frees us from that horizontal fear of one another. And so that fuels our love. We clear the decks of, of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Get rid of all that and replace it with love that is increasing. We're growing in love, a love that, is, that no longer love like you're not afraid anymore. Love like this horizontal fear is gone because what are we afraid of? God has already given us eternal life. He's already given us the acknowledgement that he is our father. Your identity is in him. Your identity is no longer as a person on this planet trying to make ends meet on this planet. Our future is with Jesus. Our, our reason for our hope is in Jesus. And our acknowledgement of the gospel is because of our understanding of who God is and what he's done in Christ. I feel like I'm going around the same point several times, and I'm sort of seeing nods. I feel like I, I, have, I have made the point. We, we actually learn all this not simply from one another. We learn all this from God. And so that's what I think verse 23, and 25, 23 to 25 is doing. For you have been born again. So we're, re, we're, we're, we're not just living this world. We've been born again into the living hope uh, we looked at that last week. We've been born again into the living hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. It's the, it's the, 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 the knowledge of the gospel, the truth of the gospel that has set us alive with this new birth. Uh, all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. There is a type of glory that you could describe of humanity. But it's, it's short-lived. It's only temporary. What we want is that glory that goes forever. Their glory is, is, is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. We want to invest in something that's not temporary but is eternal. And so that's why we are strange in this, in this world because our hope is in Jesus. We live as, as people who have been saved from the fire because we know that that's God's plan, the precious blood of Jesus, the one chosen from before the beginning of the world is God's only plan and therefore he's our only hope. And we grow in love because of our obedience to the gospel. We, we learn to love freely because we're no longer f- afraid in this world. We have a reverent fear of God and that is all fueled by the word of God. Our vertical fear removes our horizontal fear. We, be, we can begin to love um, even when it's dangerous, even when you might get bitten in the backside for that generosity. And so lastly, uh, we just want to get, get living, start living, start living this new kind of mindset. 
uh, with soap with minds that are alert and and sober switched on understanding the gospel let's move forward verse 2 like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the lord is good i remember uh, when my children uh, ate ice cream for the first time it was it was amazing you know, can you can you just imagine have, having never tasted that 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 ice cream? And we gave it to them, and they looked at it, and they just had a little tiny uh, lick of the ice cream, and their eyes lit up, and then they smashed it. You know, uh, some of it got in their mouth, the the rest over their face, they just smashed it. Uh, that's the kind of uh, image. I mean, there is also obviously the image that Peter gives us of the of the newborn baby that just craves its mother's milk. Uh, we have been fed so richly by God who's given us the Lord Jesus Christ, so richly. And if you've tasted that God is good, if you've tasted that God is not just giving us a flippant um, solution to this life, it's not just a flippant, here, try this. You know, I think that some people um, would, would think that church is a bit like that. It's just a crutch to get through life by but we know differently, don't we? Church is not just a crutch to get through life by. Uh, church is, the, is, is one of the major places where we hear the gospel and we, we, we taste the gospel, the goodness of God, that he would give us everything at the cost of his son. He will give you eternity full of joy with no more, no more, no more death, no more crying, no more pain. Can you imagine that? I find it hard to imagine because I'm so used to this existence. But I'm glad that the Bible says that I've been born again into this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I'm so thankful to God for his mercy on me, a sinner. And I'm so thankful that we can gather together regularly to remind each other this is our hope. And while we live on this plane... Focus on our reverent fear of God. Live as those who have been saved from the fire so that we can love like, like we're not afraid anymore. Horizontal, this vertical fear that, that casts away our, our horizontal fear. And now that you've tasted that the gospel is good, that the Lord is good, then let's keep living that out. You know, the, 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 what, um, what's being explained in verse 2 and 3 is not simply know your Bible's better although that is important. And so we, I encourage us all to get involved in, in daily Bible reading and ask me for some help if you, if you don't know how to start that, uh, to, to join a growth group so that you can be encouraged in this. Very, very helpful to be part of a, of a, a midweek group and to, and to get to know each other. And I love, I love the atmosphere of this church, that when church is, um, is officially over, we, we linger for a long time. It's a beautiful, beautiful sign uh, indication that we are loving each other and we'll grow in that. We are, we are echidnas. We are spiky animals in a suitcase, aren't we? Um, but we grow in our love for each other because we are affected by the love of the Father upon us. If you've tasted that the Lord is good, then let's crave that and conform more and more to the likeness of Christ and less and less to the likeness 
of this world. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for the reality check that you give us here, and I, I thank you for treating us like grown-ups. As rebellious as we are and as slow to learn as we are, you give us um, a book here in the Bible. You give us um, a way of thinking about you in, in grown-up ways. We thank you for, rem- for being honest with us. We thank you that you are a just judge, and we trust you. And we thank you so much that you have given us, you have paid the price through your son to save us. And I ask, Lord, that you'd help us uh, to grow in our love for one another in response to our knowledge of the gospel. Father, in each and every soul that's here today, please train us, teach us, rebuke us, and, uh, and help us to see what love looks like as we look at you through your word and what you've done through your son. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to continue in song.